plates today. It, was, it makes things so easy. Um, regarding the, the uh, plastic cups that we serve dessert in, they, they're not garbage. They, uh, we use them every... They, they get washed and we use them all again. So it's not like we're polluting the world with plastic by using them. Just so you know. Anyway, thank you very much for the people that bought some uh, food to, for the for morale to take home with her. <laughs> and we also have a little bucket here where we would consider taking some donations for the food bank. Uh, on that note, SACPA is donating $200 to both the uh, Lethbridge Food Bank and also uh, Interfaith Food Bank. Which is partly money that we received uh, when we had the special session at the exhibition ground. They donated the lunch, so the money we charged there went straight into, and that was almost $200. So SACPA is doubling that to get give both food banks $200. So that'll help a little bit. Uh, further to, uh, to the talk, we are looking for questioners to give some hard questions to, to uh, morale. Uh, I should also mention that I used to be on the board of directors of the food bank. Danny Skinner wrote me in way back in the, like, uh, 25, 30 years ago, uh, when I was in potato farming business, and uh, I took some potatoes in one year, and and uh, I was complaining about why they wouldn't take the potatoes, and so Jenny got a hold of me and said, that's absolutely not true. We would love to have your potatoes, even though half of them are rotten. But the only complaint I really have about the food bank at that time was that on the board of directors, every year I suggested that we have a customer appreciation day, and they wouldn't go for it. Like, what's wrong with them? Like, why wouldn't you have a customer appreciation day in a food bank? But no, they, they never bought into that, and I don't know if you have it now. Anyway, welcome back to morale. Thank you very much for the donation of the food and the funds. We're, we're truly grateful. And we're truly grateful for SACPA for having me here and for the donation as well. Okay. Hi. Hi. Now there, I'm on. Oh, hi. Okay. Now it's on? Now it's on? Okay. Uh, thank you for your presentation. And you gave uh, a lot of, and you are doing a lot of great and wonderful things. Thank you. One of the things, for example, that uh, uh, caught my eye using uh, pea butter, Al Alberta product, Joe St. Yeah. Dennis, whom I knew quite well during my research station days, he developed it and, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad you're sourcing locally too. 
My question, uh, years ago when sort of school breakfasts were being started, um, and I want you to relate how the lunches are handled, mm -hmm. um, that I know at Westminster School, for example, they made it available to any kids, mm -hmm. you know? Not just kids under the poverty line. Do you know how the different schools handle the lunches that you provide? Absolutely. So what, one thing that um, I had reflected to the schools is we wanted to make sure that um, it's done um, in a proper way. So it, it basically it's distributed according to what, how the schools distribute the, uh, the, the lunches. But we wanted to make sure there's no discrimination, there's no, um, uh, there's no problems for the, for the students. So um, an example will be some of the schools actually announced that um, lunches are available if you forgot your lunch. Um, not to really say you don't have a lunch, but um, the reality is those those teachers um, know who the children are, and when I do um, speak to them quite often, um, they do reflect that it's usually the same child every day, so that they do know, and it's usually done through the counselor's office. Um, so it's not um, it is open to children who forgot their lunches as well, because even then, um, they also re require to take the information after lunch, so they would need to have a full stomach. Um, but we, to, to kind of put um, another perspective, all the schools, they indicate numbers to us. So an example would be they would say, we have noticed that 20 kids per day come to the office requesting some sort of a supplement. Um, so we provide them with 20 lunches. And they start with that, and um, quite often the number goes up. Um, and then in June, the number somehow comes down. But um, less kids need help in June, I guess. But um, that's how we, we, we basically put it on the school, to be able to distribute it the best they can. Because those administrators really know who they are and really know how best to be able to distribute without having any, causing any issues for the kids. Thank you. Yeah. Phillips. Thank you for your presentation, and thank you for what you do for our city. It's thank wonderful. You. I have one comment, yes. and that is uh, I volunteer with the Arches Clean Sweep Program mm -hmm. downtown, and I thank the food banks for giving, if they have, extra water and granola bars. And if you really have Halloween candy, they sure liked that. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> My question yes. is... Uh, a couple of years ago, I was volunteering with taking some of our new uh, Syrian families to access the food bank when they were transitioning from government sponsorship to actually being independent. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered how you addressed, because it seemed to be a bit of an issue, a can of pork and beans isn't much good to a Syrian family. Yes. So how you uh, addressed the ethnic or religious needs of some of the families that did access and probably still do access the food banks in um, Lethbridge. Absolutely. So we do actually have, thank you for bringing that up, we do actually have quite a bit of, um, our, of our clients who do um, reflect some sort of a barrier or, or, or religious um, kind of need uh, with regards to food and some that are actually health indicator as well. So in regards to, for example, the pork and beans, when it comes to us purchasing the food, we tend to buy the beans and tomato sauce and not the pork and beans, just to make sure that um, we can provide the best that we can. We are trying to do the best that we can, so a lot of the food is donated. It. So when it goes to us um, requesting food on donations, we try to put that as well. Um, 
a lot of our families and our clients, uh, we work uh, a lot with them in their hampers. So um, many of the newcomers that don't speak English, uh, the first language, they, the first word they know is if, if it has gelatin or if it's halal. So um, all of our volunteers uh, know uh, what those are and our staff know as well. So we make sure that uh, the food that they're taking is according to what they, they would like to consume. And we try to meet, meet their needs. Um, right now for the Christmas, um, we have options of chicken, ham, and turkey. And uh, of course, ham would not be something they would choose. Um, and uh, sometimes turkey isn't something they would choose just because they don't actually know how to cook it. Um, but chicken, they're okay with. And it, again, it, it's dependent on some families. Some families uh, consider chicken um, halal and some don't and in those cases we try to provide protein in other ways so we provide it with eggs we provide it with anything else that we can we, we do have on the facility so we try to help out as much as we can no problem Mary Shillington and thank you for your information today um, I have a couple of questions yes. uh, and I'll give them both and you can can uh, answer them as you like uh, where, where does your funding come from and how could you increase the funding so you could then get a full-fledged kitchen, which oh. would be good? Uh, and you said there are, are 20, I believe you said there are 20 schools right now involved. What is that, what percentage of the schools in Lethbridge does that include then? Um, and how would those schools, if more schools wanted to become uh have the programs for them, how would they do that? Okay. That's actually three questions. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. So the first is that we're very much community uh, funded. Uh, we do receive a, um, a municipal grant of 12500 However, um, the rest of our funding is done through our fundraisers, uh, fundraising events, through uh, general donations from our community, through businesses. So um, in order for us to get that um, a uh, full functioning kitchen. I've been trying to um, find grants, find um, other sources to be able to recruit that fund and be able to actually do that. And and whether it will be um, how it would look like in the future, we're also looking at that as well. So we do very much rely on the community for that. Uh, with regards to the number of the schools, um, there is there are 21 schools in the District 51 and 15 school or 16 schools, sorry, in the Holy Spirit District. So um, that is 37, thank you. Um, I believe 30, 36 to 37 schools within, our, uh, within the Lethbridge region, and we're doing 20 of them. So uh, we are tackling quite a bit of schools. Um, but like I mentioned, we're basically at capacity at this mo moment with our uh, space, with the manpower and our resources as well. Um, last year, our program cost approximately $55,000, and this year it's going to um, be significantly higher with the, with the food costs being higher and also the number of schools. Um, so, yeah, I think that answered all your questions, right? Or Well, um, when we start, when we piloted the program, I actually emailed out to every school in the District 51 and the Holy Spirit District asking whether they would be interested in uh, being part of this this program, and at that moment, there were certain schools that did receive a grant. So those schools had opted out of being in the program because they did receive a grant to be able to feed their their students. And um, we we got eleven schools that that wanted to join in. So after that, uh, the word spreads, and uh, when when schools see that there is. Um, there is progress with the program, and they wanted to join in. So it, it's, it, 
we have yet to turn anyone down. <laughs> so um, if a next school comes, it will be really difficult. It's a very difficult thing to be able to do that. But um, we just, we're basically 570-something bagged vegetables takes two hours for two people to be able to do, and that's done multiple times. So, yeah. Uh, my name is Mike McKeg. Um, this morning, I just happened to be surfing the internet, which is strange for me. I only do it about eight hours a day. <laughs> and well, I, came, I came across a very interesting article that I'd like you to comment on. And what it said was uh, basically uh, stop giving cans of beans to the food bank and give money because money is gets five times as much food as what donating uh, food actually is. <coughs> I know we're not going to ask people to stop donating no. food, but can you comment on that about the fact that food banks, through their uh, purchasing pr process, get a lot more food than, say, I get if I go down to Costco with my 20 bucks? Absolutely. That's a great point. And uh, like you mentioned, we would never stop um, letting people know of donating food because there is there is something about donating a, a box of cereal or a can of soup uh, that the family really um, and people enjoy giving. But you are right. We as as food banks, we do have purchasing power. So uh, with with working with our local vendors, with uh, our distributors, we're able to actually stretch that do dollar two to three times more. Um, some places five times more, um, and we are able to purchase more of uh, of the bulk items. Um, not only that, we also can purchase what we are in need of as well. Uh, so uh, there's certain, uh, we, we see in our kickbacks, as we call them, certain things do come back from our uh, our clients. So we notice that, for example, the, the pork and bean situation, we would purchase um, beans and tomato sauce rather than pork and beans, but we can actually stretch that dollar further. Yeah. Hi, I'm Laurie Schultz, and thank you very much for your presentation. Um, a couple of questions. Yes. So in the summer, the, when the schools are, are closed, are there any programs over the summer that would um, <coughs> meet the needs of the um, mindful uh, munchies program? So that's one question. And another more in a, I guess a provincial or a uh, national um, aspect, are, is the food bank involved in any discussions or are you consulted or do you have any, um, does the board do any work on trying to really look at, okay, what what do we need to do mm -hmm. to lessen the need of food banks in the first place? Are there any discussions or initiatives around that? Yes, thank you for the question. So. Um, your first question was about the summer. So throughout the summer when the schools are closed, there are other um, local organizations and agencies that actually um, work with these children and youth. Um, for example, Amazing Kids, uh, Youth One, or, uh, sorry, Fifth on Fifth, Woods Homes, and, and a few other organizations that we are able to provide Mindful Munchies to so that we can try to get uh, the kids that are um, very much in need still fed throughout that, um, that time. So that's for our summer. Uh, with regards to uh, the conversation, yes, the, so Food Banks uh, Canada, uh, where uh, m most of the food banks are a part of, is uh, uh, there's definitely initiatives and different ways of thinking about how um, we can and try to uh, reduce the, um, the needs, basically. Um, within our board, um, 
we, we always look at our strategy to see where we want to be. And so that's something that we want to be um, we want to be basically doing in the future is looking at a strategic initiative, and we are doing that to see where we want to be as a, as a food bank and, and what are the needs in the community. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Gettle is my name. The word out on the street is that grocery stores do waste a lot of food. There's mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of waste. So I'm just wondering to what extent do you get donations from the big grocery stores like Costco? And also another controversy right now is that, you know, the best before dates. We have to put best before dates, but the food is e still edible and very good. And I'm just wondering, do you get a lot of after best before date food? And if you do, what do you do with it? Or do you still use it? Absolutely. So uh, we're really lucky in Lethbridge. Our uh, local vendors, our, our grocery stores, uh, very much donate to both food banks. Um, so they do try to eliminate their waste, and and uh, and uh, we are protected under the Good Samaritan Act. And I think um, when when participating in the Food Banks Canada. Um, uh, conventions, I've noticed that as in Lethbridge, we're actually very much ahead of being having that relationship with our local grocers, which is a really good thing, and we've been having that relationship for many years. Um, they do uh, donate quite often and quite frequently to both food banks, which is great, And um, but other, other parts of the country kind of, I think there's that fear factor of being liable, and um, there is the there is the protection of the Good Samaritan Act, as I was saying, um, that protects us uh, if the intentions are for donation and good. So we're really fortunate, and we're really um, blessed, actually, in this in this city to be able to partner with our local grocery stores. Um, with regards to the best before date, uh, yes, that is definitely a, a misconception. So the best of before date, uh, it's best before, not bad after. So there is different. Um, um, different years that people uh, practice. At our food bank, we practice two years after the best before date. We do take the, the, the donation in and we do put them in the hamper. Now, if a client doesn't feel comfortable of consuming that, we can definitely replace it with another uh, that we would have um, on the facility. Um, anything that's after the two years, what we do is we put it on what's called a grocery shelf. The client will take it if they, if they choose to want to um, consume it. And we can also distribute it to the soup kitchen as well. Um, canned items don't go bad. Um, we, there is a website, if anyone's interested, it's called Still Tasty. And it will basically give you the exact time of canned items, produce, fresh items that would be fine after their best before date. Um, an example is the mushroom soup is actually good five years after. We only practice two years. So, um, yeah, it, we do take them in. We encourage people to donate them. Okay, Jenny, it's your turn. Oh, Jenny's going to give me a hard one. I'd really like to thank everybody, especially our new coordinator, for inviting me today. Um, for many, many years, I've followed the food bank every day. I still do. I read about it in the paper. For many, many years, the food banks all claim that by the year 2000, there'd be no more food banks. We were going to solve all the problems. We were going to make sure people had enough money. And if anything now, there's twice as many people or more. And I think it's something we have to learn to live with. I think as long as the world is going the way it is now, we're going to have the food banks. We're going to have the needs. 
And thank the good Lord we have all these good people that are always, always working. And I met a Dr. Hurdle here today that I haven't seen for many years. And I hear he's still very active in helping people, which was a wonderful thing. But at one time, people were ashamed of a food bank. They wouldn't go, and they were hungry. But today, food banks are part of life and uh, part of the people. And there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to help support them. We have a young lady up there that's doing a wonderful job. Let's hope she keeps up doing her job. And uh, it's not an easy answer. I've been with the food bank for about 30 years or so, and I can remember for many years, all of us said by the year 2000, we're going to eradicate hunger. We've never eradicated one person, and I don't think you ever will, because I think the world is going bad, and it's the good people that are keeping it going. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. Hi, can you um, tell us a little bit about what stats you track and demographics. So who are the clients? You know, are they um, employed, working poor? Um, you know, do, do you track that information? And have you seen any significant changes in, say, the past two or five years? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, our clients are from every walk of life, I would say. So they, there's definitely working, there's single parents, there's one, there are individuals that are an assistant, um, there are newcomers, there are um, just a, a whole variety of um, different individuals that use our, our services. There are some that have been at the food bank for many years. There are some that only use it for Christmas time because Christmas is expensive. And um, there are some that might be going through a, a hard time at that moment and only will be a food bank uh, user for a few months. Uh, so our numbers do go up and down throughout the year. And uh, one thing that we have noticed is we, um, in, this, in September, right before September, it's right before school starts, is when our numbers do tend to go up. And that's because, again, school is, uh, supplies are expensive, preparing for school is expensive, and uh, we do see a, uh, more new clients that come through our doors, and, so, and also through Christmas time. We do track um, income, the source of income. We track the number of households. We um, basically we track numbers and we we report them to what's called a hunger count, which is done through the Food Banks Canada, and it will it will release on a um, countrywide as to um, how. Um, Canada is doing and according to each province. But we track the information that we need. We need to know um, whether, um, it, what kind of income they're on, uh, what type of expenses, and where that gap may be and where, where the needs are. Um, and just because this is something that we have said is people need to qualify for services. Just because um, somebody might be on H um, doesn't necessarily mean that they would qualify for a food bank. And I'm not saying that they don't. It, it, it would be that uh, there might be other income sources, there might be other individuals in the household that have income that is coming in. Um, but what we want to make sure is that nobody become we don't enable anyone, but to also help. Now, if somebody's coming through our doors, that means there is something. Nobody just walks to a food bank w wanting to go into a food bank. 
but if they're coming through our doors, that means there is a need. So usually we ask about circumstances. What, why would you, I mean, you don't qualify per se on the numbers, but why would there be a need? And many times there's usually either medical expense that came up or uh, vehicles that broke down or one person that um, lost their job. And so at that moment, we help them for that month and to make sure that they are, um, their, their needs are met until in the hopes that they are actually okay in the, in the month after. So we do track and, and people are through um, all walks of life, I would say. And what we have noticed in increase, I would say, uh, since last year is our bread and produce. And we are very blessed in Lethbridge that we're getting um, donations for bread and produce from everyone, and it's, it's incredible, but our numbers have actually doubled from last year of bread and produce consumption. So bread and produce doesn't necessarily um, require an address, per se. So our hampers, you do require an address, and that's because majority of the items in the hampers you have to cook. So you need to have a, a place to be able to cook them. Whereas the bread and produce, um, they're twice a week and people come and take us as we have. And so our, we've noticed that the numbers have increased, which um, kind of indicates a lot of our clients that don't uh, potentially have an address when they come through our doors. Thank you. Uh, before we finish up with the last two questions, I should mention that uh, next week we have Lethbridge finest and furriest uh, the canine unit is coming to give a little demonstration, so I'm thinking if you have anything in your pockets that you shouldn't have, maybe don't bring it. <laughs> so that's going to be next week for the last one before Christmas. And I also have a written question, which is uh, arguably <coughs> Lethbridge should only have one food bank. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Interfaith? Uh, because back in the good old days, it was like, who are we going to help <laughs> out here? Maybe they just came from Interfaith with a hamper. Now it's uh, much easier, of course. Can you explain a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, we definitely have a very collaborative relationship now. And we use a, a common database, um, as I had kind of mentioned in my presentation. It's called Link to Feed, and it's done by the food banks for the food banks. And basically, it's to make sure that uh, our clients, uh, there are no duplications. So if a client um, visits Interfaith, uh, we are able to see that at that moment. And we can, uh, we can basically, so all the numbers that we give you are exactly to our food bank and exactly to Interfaith's food bank. And there is, you're right, there are arguments about um, uh, there should be one food bank in the community. And what we say is we, ha we, comp we serve completely separate families. And so to put them together, it's uh, 1,400 households a month that we, we serve. So that's about 3,000 people. Now, if, you, if we are one food bank, and maybe in the future we will be, and if we are one food bank, um, a business that donates, for example, 5,000 to uh, Lethbridge Food Bank and 5,000 to Interfaith Food Bank will now probably only do donate one $5,000 to one food bank, which means that there's still 3,000 people that need to be fed, but the, the donations might be um, 
might be might go down. We don't know. I I, I have I can't predict that. But that's um, we do work very collaboratively together, and we do um, make sure that we complement each other's pr uh, programs. So Interfaith has great kitchen programs that we send our clients to them so that they can learn how to cook and how to um, cook on low budget. And we do have our lunch program that they refer um, donors or volunteers to as well. So we do really work together to make sure that we we um, uh, basically meet the needs in the community. I just wanted to ask, um, and then I want to say something to you. What is the minimum? My name is Bev Mendel-Atherstone. Thank you so much for your talk. And thank you so very much to all the people who are involved in food banks and to Jenny uh, for all of her service to food banks. Yeah. So my question is, um, part of my question, what is the minimum wage? I mean, not the minimum wage. What is the... <laughs> What is the I'll minimum <laughs> the minimum level of uh, minimum income that people can have to access the food bank? So it's dependent on the household. So for example, an individual person, anyone making um, $16,000 a year and below would automatically qualify for our food banks. After $16,000 a year in a single household, then we uh, take into the expenses into consideration. So their rent and their utilities. And then after that, they would they most definitely would have qualified. Um, but people who come over 16,000, we still basically put their expenses. So that's for um, an individual uh, person in a household. Uh, for it, it's basically after that, I think we add about um, 500 per person that's inside that household per month to see on a monthly basis how much they would qualify for. So it's done by, it's pretty, it's a, a standardized sort of system between um, the food banks, the two food banks, especially in, in Lethbridge, and it does um, and it does take into consideration inflation and and, and minimum wage as well. So is um, the poverty level then sixteen thousand dollars? Is that the poverty level? Um, I can't guarantee year? say that, but yes, I would say yeah, I would say that's the and that's the indicator we have for a single household. Um, as a psychologist and educator, I'm very concerned about the schools and the kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that you're you're. Uh, contributing to 2020-21 schools Thank in the you. district. That's terrific. One quarter of, of the food we eat goes to our brain, 25%. And as for, as for the idea that we can't do anything about this, our whole financial, our whole monetary system is made on the, based on the greed economy. And we can be careful about who we vote for and make sure that we vote for governments that are not um, increasing the greed economy. And if you want to read a good book about this, Larry... Larry has. <laughs> Larry Alfred has written an excellent book on this regard. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I'm Mary Shillington again. Um, I was curious about the different agencies that might uh, appeal to you f to have the munchies at there. That you talked about fifth on fifth and so on. Uh, how do people? How do agencies? get involved or ask for help, for your help? And what are the criteria for that? Mm -hmm. So it was basically the same sort of criteria as the schools. And, and with fifth on fifth, and uh, basically we focused on, on agencies that focus on youth and children that mm. are uh, marginalized, that are in need, and fifth on fifth being one, Woods Homes being another. Um, and these usually these 
children are, or youth that are in these agencies aren't actually in the school system either, which is why Fifth on Fifth is there, is to be able to train them and get them into the workplace. So we wanted to also um, help those children and youth that might we might miss that aren't in the in the education system. Um, there, there aren't as many uh, agencies on our list as schools are, um, and that's because we do know that quite a big uh, portion of the children that are in poverty that is reflected on our numbers as well are in those uh, District 51 or the Holy Spirit District. Um, but I basically just contacted these agencies. Mm. And uh, uh, I contacted Fifth on Fifth Woods Home, um, and uh, I did contact Youth One as well, and they do uh, actually something that's different is that they do focus, Youth One focuses a lot of their um, uh, partnering with their children through food, so they already are providing that. So we, would, we didn't want to do something that somebody's already providing for. And then Amazing Kids was something that um, is an incredible program that they take the kids after school. So a lot of these kids, when they go home, the parents might be working till very late. And so they go to this after school program where they can um, socialize and, 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 and um, basically kind of be together in Amazing Kids. And we provide snack mostly, not really the sandwich portion, but the fruits and the vegetables so that they can continue having that, mm -hmm. the nutrients that they need for the day. Yeah, lots of good things you're doing for those children. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. As you heard, uh, cash is better to donate than food. We have a little bucket over there. If you feel like on your way out, or if you want a tax receipt, you can mm -hmm. take a check to the Lethbridge Food Bank or any food bank. For that matter, they, they, they will give you a credit for your donation. Yes. So with that, I thank our presenter. Thank you very thank much you. for coming today. And uh, hopefully uh, things will go OK over the holidays. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.